You are listening to the When Life Stops podcast, season two, with your host, Daytola and Stella. We are both moms who have loved and lost, and we're so glad to have you listening. Every week, you would hear more about our stories, some relatable interviews, as well as practical tips that you can apply to help you find new meaning after loss. Let's dive in. Hello listeners, welcome to another episode of When Life Stops podcast. This is episode four. We are thrilled to be back here with you. Hey Stella, what's good? What's popping? How's Hey Dekola? Everything is popping. We good. We great. We're so happy to be back. <laughs> so happy to be back. Last week, wow, it was mm. an amazing time with our guest, mm. Lomo, who shared yeah. her story of losing both parents at the tender age of six and eleven. Wow, yeah. Guys, if you haven't listened to that episode, please, please, please go. In fact, pause this one. Pause this <laughs> yes, pause and go back. Yeah, go listen right to me. Opa was really inspiring and it was lovely hearing how she has grown through her pain. Yes, it was such a, a, a comforting episode. Opa was really open and vulnerable and, you know, she shared about her struggles and her journey to the point where she is right now. And it was such, such, such an enlightening episode. So if you haven't listened to it, like Dutula said, pause and listen to it. And today is somewhat a a follow-up of the conversation as we shall be talking about how we can help children deal with loss. But before we go into that, we would love to give a shout out to one of our listeners who has left us a comment. Oh, yes. Um, so today, our shout out goes to Ishrubit. I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> and here's her lovely comment. She says, first of all, she gave us an excellent rating, a five-star rating. And mm-hmm. says, for someone who hates this topic, I love the way you both comfortably deliver your daunting experiences to us. I'm looking forward to learning more and finding the same comforts. Thanks for sharing. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, Ishrubit. We are really, really, really glad to know that our podcast is helping. It's making a different difference. And we pray that, you know, you will continue to find value from the episode. So thank you for leaving us that comment. Thank you to all our listeners who send in comments. We we hear you, we see you, we appreciate you. Keep them coming. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um okay, so before we get into the subject of today, we are going to do the segment where you get to know a little bit more about us. Yes, yes. So here's the question for today. And this one really got me thinking. It says, what was one of your first successes as a child that you remember? (laughs) Yeah, that's a deep question. And, you know, I had to (laughs) scan back to my childhood. And the first thing I was trying to remember, success, success. All I could say was play, play. This child was playful. You know, I played, I played. Wow. Playful child. You don't come across as a playful child. Thank thank God for Jesus. Thank God. (laughs) And I remember um, other children getting awards at school. I mean, I was just there in my playfulness. I didn't care. (laughs) The visitation of the Lord. Hallelujah. In SS1, and if I'm wow. if I'm using it as um if I'm I'm trying to find the grade in, in um in the UK, I think that will be year year nine or no, I think it's year ten if I compare mm. properly. And I had moved schools and we had to do a test to get into the new school. I was moving from a state school to federal school. Mm. And I basically, you know, I was I, I did the exam or the test 
And they said, what they said was they're going to call people according to how they did well. Mm. And I was the first name they called. Oh, wow. Oh, where? <laughs> but guess what? That was the turning point of my life. Wow. When suddenly from primary school where I was like 30th position, or 20, 28 out of 30. And I became first out of, I was like, what? How? You know, wow. I think just that fact that I, my name got called first. Mm, it did something. That there was something more within me. Wow. That was, that was where everything changed, my sister. Wow. Wow. So talk about, talk about the turnaround. <laughs> my first success that I can clearly remember. There are probably some other more, but that's the first that I can remember. Wow. That is amazing. That is amazing. Ah, well, to be honest, um, I was quite a very competitive child, right. you know, really, really competitive. So I was just scanning through and just remembering, you know, I think one of the very first successes that I can remember was in primary school in um it was a, 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 a speaking, it was called a speaking and elocution competition. How posh, <laughs> you know, and we had to uh, um, speak in front of parents and, you know, teachers and, and all of that. And I remember, you know, I was going to an Indian school, you know, I lived in um, Saudi Arabia at the time. So, yeah, so, so here was this little black girl, you know, in an Indian school, and yeah, I remember one of the competitions, the, the, the speaking competition, and I actually came first, wow. you know, and I remember my parents in the audience with their camera, you know, it was, you know, we were very noticeable because we were like the black people exactly. in the mist. But I think I, I, it's etched in my memory. I can mm -hmm. still remember all the fuss, all the, you know, all the, that came with it. So yeah, that is one of my, you know, first, first memories of success. I think I was probably around five. Wow, yeah, impressive. I can still remember. <laughs> that is impressive. And I think that's one other thing we have in common, Saudi Arabia. My dad used to mm. live in Saudi very well. So I went on holiday. Mm. You live there, so. Yeah. Yes. Wow. We're, we're Saudi Arabian people. You understand. Shout outs to our listeners from Saudi Arabia. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. Amazing. Right. So, like we said, today we are going to be looking or discussing the topic helping children um, deal with loss. This is such an important topic. Yeah. You know, and our, our desire and prayer is that as we have the discussion, it helps us ensure that our children have the best possible information, mm. and the highest level of emotional safety as they deal with a wide range of emotions attached to losses of any kind that mm. they experience, because they will experience loss. Yeah. Because establishing a foundation for dealing effectively with loss can be one of the greatest gifts we can give to our children. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. if you're a regular listener, you would remember from season one, episode three, that we looked extensively at what grief was or what grief is mm -hmm. and the different losses that can invoke the emotion of grief. This is the same for our children. Yeah, so true, so true. And... Um, it's so important that we normalize the subject of loss around children. You know, we're talking about this last week, Detola. We grew up, you know, in African settings where subjects around loss were kind of like hushed, were taboo subjects, you know. So we grew up knowing that you can't talk about people dying, you know, but people were dying. So how do we, you know, you know, relate? How do we you know, balance it. So it's such an important conversation to have, especially in African settings, you know, where this topic is shied away from. So we're going to be looking at a list of the most common losses in the sequence most likely to occur in a child's life. Um, number one being 
the death of a pet. Yeah, I can so relate. <laughs> I can so relate. I can so relate. You know, I remember when my first pet died, which my mom bought for me on my birthday, Detola. It was some kind of feeling that I could not voice out. But yeah, especially for children who have pets, yeah. a death of a pet can be devastating. Death of a grandparent. Um, a major move, like Okwe um, mentioned last week, um, children are particularly affected by changes in locations, routines, and physical familiarity. Divorce of a child's parent, yeah. death of a parent or parents, death of a playmate, playmate friend or relative, uh-huh. or a playmate, a best friend moving or relocating. Injury to the child or to someone's life or to someone important in the child's life, you know, and other losses can include loss of safety. You know, parents may have lost their jobs. They might be fighting stress. There might be poverty, you know, loss of safety with regards to addictions and mental health, you know, anger, you know, and all the the tension that leaves children feeling unsafe, you know, in places where there's physical or verbal abuse, loss of childhood, becoming a carer for a parent who is ill, you know. So these are some of the the losses that children face in their childhood. Wow, this is this is a long list, man. Yeah, it is. Long list. And, you know, just thinking about my children, um, they've already lost a sibling. Mm. They've, they've lost both grandfathers in the space of two weeks of each other. And, and, you know, um, we've moved house, they've changed um, schools, and they've obviously lost a few friends as a result of changing schools. Mm. Um, yeah, so that. What about you? Oh, yes. For me, just just zoning back into my childhood, you know, I lost a parent, you know, and I know what that physically, emotionally and mentally did, you know, to 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 us at the time. My younger sister was a baby, you know, and she had to be taken, you know, she had to be taken from home to go live with you know, first my grandmother, then my auntie, you know, and even now my children have lost, you know, their grandfather who was the first grandparent they had contact with, you know. So, yeah, the truth is our children will experience losses, Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's really paramount that we know how to help our children deal with their feelings yeah. about any loss they encounter. You know, and and you know, funny, funny, talking about even loss, even moving class. Yeah, moving class. I remember when my son was in year one, Mm. and he had this bond with his teacher, and he spent a whole week crying that he was not going to be in in his teacher's class again. You know, Mm. and I just on you know understood that okay this was this wasn't one of those get over it moments you know stop Uh crying you're a big boy you know it was really talking to him and getting him to understand what his feelings were Uh you know and helping him process that you know and we still talk about it today when he tells me mommy remember when I missed my teacher and I was crying 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 I say yeah I remember bless bless (laughs) yeah Oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, like we've already established, children are going to experience losses. Yeah. So what are some of like the, I want us to talk about some of the typical responses Mm. um, our children have to loss, especially around a death. Mm. So research um, shows that often the immediate response to learning of a death is a sense of numbness in children. Mm-hmm. See, that numbness lasts or can last a different amount of time for each child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what usually, you know, lasts lo- what usually lasts longer and is even more universal is a reduced ability to concentrate. That's true. You know, um, 
And sometimes we think our children are acting up, but mm. it's the grief that mm. is or their reaction. Out, yeah. yeah, they explain out. Other responses with children are a change to their eating habits or sleeping patterns, mm. having a roller coaster of emotions, you know, and we need to note that these mm. are not stages. Yeah, you know, I think we talked about this in episode, episode two as well. Yeah, or is it three? One of season yeah. one. Season one. Yeah, yeah, they're not stages, but they are just universal responses to overwhelmingly painful information that something out of the ordinary has occurred in the life of a child. Yeah, yeah, so true, and it is expected. Mm. You know, it is expected that children will respond and react. Yeah. in however way they know best you know and I think Okwe even alluded to the fact that you know she started getting really afraid you know and her fear yeah. led to nightmares you know yeah. led to bedwetting yeah. you know so there's so many responses you know and 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 they are common to children yeah so yeah yeah so now let's talk about some behaviors which we've already started talking about mm-hmm. in children who have unresolved grief and in grief recovery language, um, we refer to this as short-term energy relieving behaviors. I mean, we, um, we already know that grief is a mm. normal and natural reaction to loss. Yeah. But this emotion yeah. can produce measurable energy in a child and mm. even in adults. But because we are t- talking about children, you know, um, let, let's focus on them. So when this normal flow of energy, right, is sidetracked by mm-hmm. advice, such mm. as, oh, don't feel bad, why are you crying? Mm-hmm. Or take, have a cookie, you'll feel better, mm. you know, and reinforcing one of the six myths we discussed in um, season, season one, episode two, and we'll, we'll look at that later on as well. The energy still exists, but is suppressed inside a child. Mm-hmm. And that energy is looking for expression. It's looking for a yeah. way out. Yeah. Right. I mean, think of it, if you have a kettle, a steam kettle that you put on, on um, fire. Boil, yeah. Boil. Now, the, the steam kettle, when it gets to a boiling point, usually the, the normal thing is that the, the steam goes out of the, the valve, right? Yeah. Well, imagine if there's a cork um, blocking the steam yeah. from coming out. That results in that pressure that's supposed to come out building up inside the kettle because it cannot be released and guess what that crop can represent a lifetime of misinformation that has cost us or our children to believe that we're not supposed to talk about sad or painful or Mm. negative emotions so because i mean go back going back to the analogy analogy of the kettle the steam is within is inside somehow the energy needs to come out so yeah. the kettle can explode so true Detola, and so good i'm just going to reiterate that we must have sad painful mm. conversations with our children yeah. we must have them mm. we as parents must model that so that true. is part of life yeah you know some emotional expressions are huge Mm-hmm. You know, and they make national headlines like mm. tragedies at school where a child gets a gun and starts mm. shooting at everyone. Wow. You know, I think I watched one recently mm. where, you know, teenagers, two teenagers, I can't remember their ages, were shooting at police, wow. you know, and we hear this, this headlines and we, we shake our head. Yeah. But yeah. most explosions are little mm-hmm. They're not that mighty that make news headlines, but they are Mm. still significant, you know, and some of these behaviors, you know, they're they're just showing us that these children are crying for help, Mm -hmm. you know, and they include uh, uh, some of some of some of some of the these expressions can be shown in the child being socially withdrawn. Yeah. Yeah you know, playing badly or being disruptive, Mm -hmm. you know, uncontrolled feats of anger, you know, tummy aches, Mm -hmm. bed wetting, Mm -hmm. you know, Okwe highlighted this, you know, pulling out, you know, hair, Mm. losing concentration, you know, much like adults. Yeah, wow. Wow. This this is huge. This is, you can, like rightly said, 
orchestrate some of her um, behaviors. Mm. She, talked, she also talked about being withdrawn and her classmates wondering who's this girl who's just, you know, always frowning and she was always angry, right? Because she she was trying to find a way to express mm. her, um, her, her emotions. Her emotions. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, like you said, she talked about the bedwetting as a teenager. Now, again, it, the, the, because of the grief, it is only normal, right? It is as a result of the grief energy stored up in a child's body and looking for expression. So it's not like the child is purposely deciding to be destructive or playing badly. And it, it's when we begin to notice a child who was, you know, well-behaved, calm, and suddenly behaving badly or being destructive, mm. then we should know like this is a cry for help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And most times the reason why they are acting in this way is because they have seen adults model how to deal with grief mm. and they are copying it, but the energy is still there. Different. Yeah. Looking for expression. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just a huge huge topic it is it is yeah go on Stella you wanted to say something yeah I said it is it is it's really really huge and there's so much so much depth in it that we need to to flesh out and if you're a parent listening to us and you are experiencing grief some form of grief you know, even the ones that you might not even realize that they're, mm. they're, they're that they can evoke grief. Yeah. You know, I want you to consider how your child might be, mm. you know, you know, expressing themselves and what reactions yeah. that they are playing out that you might be just a uh, 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 misunderstanding, yeah. you know, for bad behavior or for tantrums or for X, Y, Z. So pay attention yeah. to the yeah. cues and the cries for help. Yeah. So I know that we, um, like I said before, we discussed the six myths in season one, episode two. Mm. But I want us to look at those myths or ideas around grief again with children in mind. Yeah. Because I think this will help our adult listeners first for notice or see mm-hmm. how they have been, re- you know, responding to their children. Yeah. And also know how to use the right language with their children or those in their care. Because, okay, a teacher here or a youth pastor or a social worker mm. who works with children, then, you know, you want to be knowing the right language to use. And what I, as we go through the list, I want our listeners to begin to identify um, some of the language they've used in the past with children or some of the things they've said or done around children. Mm-hmm. That has not been helpful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So the first myth is don't feel bad. Mm. You know, and I remember this so vividly when I lost my mom. Mm. You know, I, I, I was 14 going on 15, mm. you know, proper teenager, you know, and everyone who tried to comfort me, all they were saying is don't worry, everything will be okay, don't cry you know, mm. look at your younger sister, don't mm. cry. Look at your father, don't cry. If you mm. cry, they will be sad. Mm. And it was so, so confusing, mm-hmm. you know, but I want to cry, yeah. you know, but I'm feeling bad. Why shouldn't I feel bad? Yeah. You know, and many of us might have said, don't feel bad with good intentions, mm. you know, but the person hearing might hear, don't feel, yeah, which don't is feel what, Yes, which is what I was hearing because it felt all of a sudden that bad to feel because every other person was looking up to me and it felt like my feeling would make every other person feel bad, you know? So we might hear, you know, for let's use a, a typical example. So a child will come back from school and say, for instance, they had a fight, yeah. you know, or falling out with their fa- friend. Yeah. Naturally, we don't want them to feel bad, you know, and we might say, oh, don't feel bad, you know, but a better way to speak to the child could be, that sounds like it was a hard day. Are Mm. you feeling sad? That must have been difficult. How did that make you feel? feel? 
help them you know, to label their feelings. Isn't yes, it? yes, yes. You know, open up the conversation, ask open-ended questions, yeah. and that will help them feel heard. Mm-hmm. You know, another example is don't feel bad. Let's get some cakes to make mm. you feel better. You know, oh, I'll buy you some sweets. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I'll buy you some chocolates. Mm. Oh, I'll cook you your favorite food. Mm. <laughs> you know, you know, and and that that replacement therapy mm-hmm. where I can replace my feelings for food. Yeah. You know, every time I feel bad, I have to look for what makes me feel better. Mm. You know, so sadly, yeah. working with adults this route has mm. has cost overweight mm-hmm. eating disorders wow you know and and so let's be mindful of what our our cues yes. can can lead to in the long run i tell you yeah wow that, that, that's deep and yeah. you know you're, you already kind of began to talk about the second myth which is replace mm. the loss mm. and i think this comes up especially when a child's pet has died Mm. you're so quick to say oh you know i'll get you another one yeah don't feel bad we use the first mate don't feel bad Mm. let's go get another um hamster or another Mm. puppy next week or some in some movies i think i've seen one where they went to get the exact same looking dog or puppy and as a child you know they had lied to the child that oh you know you got missing and the child's like no this is not my dog (laughs) not my dog (laughs) the relationship a child has with their pets is so Mm. it's like almost like this is my best friend yeah. So when they lose a pet, it's not just losing a pet, it's losing their best mm. friend or someone else, you know, uh, uh, close to them. And this, responding this way to a child and saying, oh, let's go get another pet or, mm. or let's replace the loss is basically mm. shutting down the ability for the child to grieve or again, yeah. acknowledge sadness or to yeah. think about the relationship they had with the pets right because mm. replacing the pet doesn't deal with how they felt about the pet mm. that died all you're doing is mm. suppressing the feelings and saying hey here's a new pet mm. so we must as adults acknowledge the sadness our children express when they lose mm. a pet or a teddy bear or even a pen you know how sometimes you see mm. a child looking well, i can't find my bed my pencil and mm. you're like it's just a pencil i'll get you a new one no they, they, they already had a relationship with that pencil mm. right so instead of just telling them to move on, we need to allow them, label their feelings, ask them, mm-hmm. oh, how did that make you feel? Tell me a little bit more about the pet. What was the best mm-hmm. thing? Get them talking about that pet or whatever it is they've lost. Mm-hmm. Before we, I mean, there, of course, there's nothing wrong in trying to get a new pet, but address the loss. Mm-hmm. before we Address the loss. Yeah. Address the loss label the feeling acknowledge the emotions wow so good so 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 good and i am also reinforcing some of my learnings as well even as we talk you know and the third myth is grieve alone Mm. you know probably the most common myth we tend to grieve in private not wishing to show pain to children yeah you know and Unfortunately, they learn to model our behaviors. Mm. You know, finding a degree of truth is important. Children can deal with facts that they know what death means. Mm. You know, they can deal with death. They know that it is the end of something. You know, when they stand on a a spider, they know Mm. that that spider has died, you know. So they know what debt is, mm. you know, and they can, de- they can deal with it to a degree of truth. Yeah. Yeah. So when we hide how we really feel, our children will copy this behavior. Yeah. Yeah. You I know, remember so. when, um, obviously when we lost Moroccan um, Caleb, it was a, it was a joint loss, right? In the early days, before I knew about the mates, I would run off to my room and cry. And my children would see my eyes red. Oh, mommy, why are you crying? But I think one of the things that I love about, even though we didn't even know at that time, was when we told the kids that their brother had passed away. And, you know, mm-hmm. my children, the older two, started crying. My husband and I just started crying. We, 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 we all cried together at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. So that wow. was 
that was uh, us grieving together at the same time. But then with um, time, even now, you know, when my son cries, oh, I miss my brother. I'm like, oh, yeah, I miss him too. And then we hug each other. Oh, I'm sad. My daughter is like, are you thinking of Maraki or Caleb? I'm like, yes. Mm. So we've normalized the conversation and that's what it's meant to be like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so true. You know, I remember in episode one when we had a guest share about losing a sibling mm. and the fact that she never saw her mom cry. Yeah, oh, season one, you know? Amanda. Yeah, 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 season one, you know, and, and so it's it's so liberating mm. to know that, oh, crying is good. Crying yeah, is normal. Okay. I can cry. It's yeah. okay to cry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, so the, the next myth, um, be strong. And this links mm. in with, you know, myth three, which is grieve alone. We tell our children, don't show your emotions, you know, just... Mm-hmm. Um, um, be strong, like you, you mm-hmm. already mentioned, Stella. That happened, you know, I, I, I heard a story about a boy whose dad had passed away, his dad had died, mm. and the dad had been the you know the breadwinner, the provider. The mom was a homemaker, and so the the boy, the mom, in trying to make her boy feel tough and strong, says, "You know what, boy, you have to be strong now. You're the head of the family." Mm. Wow! And suddenly that child. You know, over time became socially withdrawn and poor behavior started. And she later on discovered that it was her comments about you're the head of the family mm. that put him under such pressure and burden to be like, what does it mean to be the head of the family? You know, mm. I'm only 13. 13. Yeah. Wow. So some things we say to our children, we don't realize the implication. Mm. And then again, because the child cannot. Mm doesn't know to express mm. themselves or they don't have mm. that avenue to express themselves mm. now mm. show it up in a different way we can't we shouldn't we mustn't mm. tell our children to be strong for anybody Mm-mm. what does it even mean to be strong you know? and many children have lost their childhood as a result of statements like this um, honestly this brings back so much memories that because i remember you know it's like a playback you know and so much burden Mm. was put on me when I lost my mom everyone looked to me you are the mommy of the house now wow you know you are you are you have to look after your sister I was saddled with that responsibility a responsibility that God graced me for Mm. God helped me but I lost my childhood yeah you know, and I guess maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm so playful now. You know, mm-hmm. people look at me and like, this girl can't play. Yeah. Because, yeah, when I was supposed to be playing, I wasn't playing. Wow. I was looking after a family. I was on Saturdays. I was going shopping, cooking, wow. you know, at age 15. I wasn't doing what 15-year-olds were doing, wow. you know. And it's such, it's such, it changes people. Grief yes. changes people. Loss yes. changes people, you know. And how much more children, you know. So, it's, it's so important, like you've said, to be careful what we tell our children yeah. in the form of grief support, mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it can be more detrimental to them. Okay, yeah. so we're down to number five, yeah. you know, the fifth myth is keep busy. Yeah. You know, and adults are experts at this when emotional losses occur. Mm -hmm. You know, we as adults, we tend to keep busy, you know, so we don't think about our pain. You know, we we get involved in funeral and the planning so that it masks, you know, all the emotions, Mm -hmm. you know, because people are afraid to stop, Mm. you know. And one of the things that COVID did was because there was no moving around there was no you know activity people came face to face Face. with their grief face to face with the things that they were running away from oh yes you know that feeling that if i stop i might crash covid Mm. thought of that you have to deal with it or you will crash (laughs) you know and and sadly Mm. children can mimic you know mimic this from their parents you know and so if a child is doing something to the excess yeah it can be a red flag that they are a red flag that they are emotionally stuck wow. you know they're they're all of a sudden you know bent on competitions activity mm. 
you know, you know, doing this. I want to do this now. Yeah. You know, what are they running away from? What are they running away from? So, so deep, know? so deep, so deep. And thank you so much for sharing your experience, Stella. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine how mm -hmm. from someone who was just, you know, living their life as a teenager mm -hmm. and suddenly, bam, you're like, okay, yeah. girl, you're now the mummy. That's, oh, my mm -hmm. heart goes out to you. <laughs> yep, yep. I know yep, it was a long I'm... time ago, but... You know, no, I still I still need the hogs. Please yeah, send the hogs, hogs the kisses, hogs, you know. <laughs> Thank you, my love. Thank you. And so that brings us to the last myth. Time heals. And I bring I think this is the worst of them all. I can go on and on about this myth. I mean, if you think about um I don't know if you know this organization, Cruise here in the UK. Mm. You know, they if you call them up and they ask you when did when did the death occur i mm. said maybe three weeks ago or you know they're like oh no you know wait wait for you know you need to wait for six months and before you can before we can help you or before you can deal with the pain and are you serious yeah they, they have a long huge waiting list they do and then um, even some therapists would say you know wait wait a bit um so but if you if you think about it if you have a bleeding wound mm. you would want to stop the wound you wouldn't say mm -hmm. let me wait six months right mm. if you had so your pus has accumulated uh -huh. so pus has accumulated you imagine <laughs> oh so if dear you, if you if you hurt your ankle if you do something to your body you would get immediate help wouldn't you yeah. But why do we treat our heart differently? Our heart is mm -hmm. so, so delicate. We treat it differently and say, no, let's just wait. And we don't get our children help. We don't get help for ourselves. And I, I think we, 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 we stressed on this in season one. Time does not heal. Mm. It might alter things. Mm. But it is the action that you take that will help. And, you know, with our children, the earlier we help them and we show them the right actions to take, the better they can resolve their grief. So really, what can we do differently? Hmm, good question. I think there's a lot that we can do. There's a lot that we can do. Because when we know better, we, do we better. will do better. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. you know, we can start with being a heart with ears. Yeah. You know, listen without judgment, mm -hmm. analysis, mm -hmm. criticism, interruption. Mm. You know, children need to know that if they are brave enough to share with us, mm. that we will be willing to listen. To listen. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's simply, it's as simple as that. Mm. You know, sometimes we project our own fears, our own emotions, our yeah. own lack of dealing with what we, you know, what we're going through on our children, you know. If our children are brave enough to share, yeah. we should listen to them. Yeah. We can show them, we should show them that they can trust us. Yep. You know, they can trust us. So let us allow them to feel heard. Mm. You know, most times when a child goes over something, it probably means that they have not been heard. Mm -hmm. You know, they say it over and over again. Right. Mommy, I need to talk to you. You know, they've, they've tried to get your attention. Yeah, Depending on their ages, teenagers... You know, teenagers struggle to even communicate. And if they know that they will not be heard, they will bottle, bottle it up. Uh -huh. They will talk, look for their pairs, mm. you know, go on the Internet, mm. you know. So it's important to create those opportunities. You know, sometimes we might not even be the, the person that the child feels safe to talk to. And that's yeah. OK. That's OK. You know, that's OK. You should, as a parent, have a wide circle where, yeah. you know, you can introduce your child to trusted auntie or uncle, someone that, you know, a child feels comfortable with, True. you know. So be mindful to ask, yeah. you know, is there someone else that you would like to talk to? Mm -hmm. You know, is there someone that you feel more comfortable to talk to? Yeah. And it's okay. Don't feel offended <laughs> when they yeah. do, you know. If a child starts to raise something, it's complete. But if they try to talk about something and you feel it's the wrong time, yeah. especially, you know, when, they, when we're busy or in the middle of something, you could say, I hear that you want to talk to me about something important. Mm -hmm. Shall we talk to it after lunch? Mm -hmm. 
when I can help you? Mm-hmm. Can we schedule time to talk? Yeah. Can we talk to it? Can we talk about it at 7 p.m.? Can we talk about mm-hmm. it at bedtime? Yes. So they know that you heard them, you've taken note of it, and you're going to address it. So true. So, so true. Um, you know, and when we do give them that attention or time to mm-hmm. talk, yeah. we need to give them the opportunity to talk about what's eating them up or maybe it's mm-hmm. the relationship with the person or the pets that they've lost mm. or the, the, you know they've moved home and moved school. schools the friend mm. they, they no longer are able to have that um mm-hmm. communication with you know mm. allow them to talk and like you rightly said we we need to listen our job is to listen not mm-hmm. judge not analyze not judge. Not criticize mm. and one great tool that um, we teach parents as grief recovery specialists in the Helping Children with Loss program, it's, it's called the Emotional Energy Checklist. It's such a mm. powerful tool. Mm. It is a thinking tool for adults to think ahead about where mm-hmm. our children's emotional energy is in relation to um, their loss. So where their energy might be stuck. Mm. Right? And I quite like this tool because what it does is it helps the adult. You're not going into that conversation blinded, mm-hmm. blindsided. You know, mm. it helps provide the adult with the opportunity to be, to be better prepared for difficult conversations with the child in question. Yeah, it's so helps. true. You know, sorry to cut you short. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons why parents shy away yeah. from having this kind of conversations because they don't know what to say, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. They don't know how to react to it, you know. So it might be a good place to reach out to um, Detola to get some resources. You know, if you're experiencing a loss and you don't know what to do, you know, it might be a good place to start. And so this um, emotional energy checklist um, also helps us adults to think before we speak. It makes us better listeners. It ensures that we're not minimizing or dismissing our children's experiences. Yeah. Remember, we already established that every relationship is unique. So even if it's the same um, relationship, or sorry, even if it's the same, you you have a common loss, Mm. experience will be different as an adult. Yeah. So we shouldn't dismiss the experiences or minimize them. Minimize it. Mm. Um, again, the emotional energy checklist gives us a chance to allow our children tell their story, their story, not ours, mm-hmm. but theirs. Mm. Right? And it also helps us ask children open ended questions so that they can talk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sounds. It sounds so so powerful. Yeah. It does. It, it's such a powerful tool. And um, for anyone wondering, oh, where can I get more information about this any um, emotional uh, energy checklist? It is fully explained in the When Children Grieve book by John W. James and Russell Fredman. They're also the authors of the Grief Recovery Handbook, which I think I mentioned in season one. And I fully recommend adults to get this book. You can um, reach out to me, or I think it's available on Amazon, or Mm. I can get it through the um, Grief Recovery um, website, the Grief um, Institute, the Grief UK Institute. Um, So if you want a copy, reach out to me and we can... I can send you the link to get it. Or we can actually put the links. In the yeah, notes, right? we'll put so the links. Easy. Yeah, let's put, the, let's put the links. Awesome. Let's put the links. Yeah. So Stella, do you have any other thoughts on what adults can do differently in helping children deal with loss? Yeah, you know, uh, for, for a child who has experienced loss, you know, I think it's really, really important, you know, to find ways to build new routines, mm. you know, and, and structures that make them feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, too many changes after a loss can be disruptive, as we have, you know, uh, 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 we have, we've talked, we've talked about that, you know, and I just remember from my own experience, you know, when my mom died, my sister was taken to the village, you know, so for her, a a little child, she was barely two, you know, so much confusion, Mm -hmm. you know, and so much changes Mm -hmm. happening all at the same time. You know, and for me, holiday was no longer how I remembered it, wow. you know, because 
home was cold, yeah. you know, and, and so my, my routines, my, the, what I had come to know as, as, as normal became <laughs> abnormal, you know, so it's really important wow. to ensure that, you know, yes, there will be changes, but those changes should be introduced gradually you know, and a new structure and a new routine should be put in place to help children feel, feel settled, Mm -hmm. you know, and and another thing is to encourage them by showing them other ways that they can express themselves, especially if you notice that they are not open to talking. Ah, true. You know, there are other ways that you can encourage children to to express themselves like journaling, you can introduce them to journaling, you know, arts and crafts, drawing, painting, you know, there are so many other ways that children can express themselves. So if talking is not working, if children are not open to talk, yeah, journaling introduce them to other ways that they can express themselves. They must express themselves. Yeah. From my experience, my mom died around Easter. And so the the Easter moving forward were really hard for me, you know. And because my mom was such a homemaker and she made Christmas time, you know, there was so much buzz and love and food and celebration during Christmas. Christmas also became a really hard time for me when my mom passed, you know. So... Think about special occasions, think about holidays, think about how you can make it, you know, uh, uh, a memorable, enjoyable and and less painful for children. So I was going to say something about that, you know, because for us too, you know, we we lost mm. back in your two days before Christmas. So our first Christmas was, wow. it didn't happen, clearly. We need to make Christmas more memorable for our children. So thank you for that reminder. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, and remembering anniversaries is a good one you know so these are some of the things that you know as a as an adult as a parent you know anniversaries you know if possible making sure that um you talk about the ones that they loved and lost you know yeah. normalize talking about the ones that they have loved and lost you know and i know i talked about this last week as well if possible connect them with children who have experienced a similar loss mm. if they want to yeah. so that they don't feel isolated mm. you know and lastly introduce children to god mm. you know introduce them to god yeah. as their contact as their constant source of love yeah. you know let them know that god is the only one that can fill the voids in their hearts mm. so true you know? so true so true yes. when they know god early for themselves yeah. That makes yeah. all the difference. Makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 49, 15 to 16 says this. It says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Mm-hmm. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Your, your sons hasten back and those who laid you waste depart from you. So this is such an encouraging scripture. Introduce your children to the one who will never forget them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, Stella, that's just great. Thank you so much for sharing more. And sometimes I think when you've experienced something, it Mm. helps you know how to relate to others. So off the back of that scripture and off the back of what you've shared, can can I just ask you to say a word of prayer over, you know, every child connected to our adult listeners here and there might be a child listening as well i wanted to pray for them and even wisdom for our listeners as well on helping their children with their losses amen father we just really want to thank you for this episode thank you for all that we have said thank you for every parent who who is going through loss thank you because lord you're equipping them with the right resources you're giving them wisdom on how to go about encouraging and comforting their children. Lord, the grace to have difficult, hard, painful conversations. We pray, oh God, for every child, oh God, who has been affected by loss. Lord, you are comforter. You've reminded us, oh God, that you have us in 
the palms of your hands. You are comfortable. You will never leave nor forsake us. I pray that your those Amen. children will experience your comfort. Amen. I pray that they will feel you close. Amen. I pray, oh God, that they will feel your love Amen. and that for everyone struggling, oh God, you will reach out and touch them Amen. in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you because you are healer, you are comforter, Amen. you are joy reaver. Yes, Thank Lord. you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Stella, for that powerful prayer. Thank you. And um, so, I mean, I think this brings us to the end of this episode. It's been yeah. it's, a, it's been a full on one. So wow. I encourage you to go listen again. Um, thank you once again for tuning in. We love yeah. you for yeah. always yeah. hanging yeah. out with us. Mm-hmm. Again, if you want to know more on how you can support your children yeah. or those in you know children in your care to deal with loss, then please reach out to us via our email. Reach <laughs> out to us at hello at whenlifestops.org. Yeah. There's, there's a four-week four program helping children with loss. You know, it does what it says. Mm-hmm. I, I can share more information with you about that. It's a group program, but, you know, we can always give you more details on that. Awesome. Awesome. Don't forget to leave us a review. You know, we love reviews. We know we love your comments. So please, if you're listening to us, remember to leave, leave us a review. Yeah. Um, remember, we'll be giving shout outs to those who leave us comments and reviews. Also, leave us a rating and share this podcast with anyone you know who may be experiencing loss. Oh, yes. So, listeners, we hope you have found this episode valuable. Till next time, we pray you find the grace to find new meaning to life after your loss. Yes, yes, I'll yes. Catch you later on the next episode. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.